0: In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, I had a really awesome conversation with Chelsea Collier. Chelsea shares some really interesting insights from her Eisenhower Fellowship, where she explored smart cities across America and China. This led to her launching DigiCity, so that she could share what she was learning in real time. However, DigiCity is now a platform for the exploration of smart city technology and policy. Chelsea talks about why she kept DigiCity as a brand and didn't expand, in inverted commas, it to a full-blown company, which was super interesting for me as I'm going through some of the same thinking right now about this podcast. Chelsea and I also have some great conversation about tech collaboration and how smart city investment has to be long-term. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's the Smart City Podcast Whoa. With smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars and more. The smart city podcast is what you're looking for. So hi Chelsea, how you going?
1: Great, how are you doing? Thanks so much, Zoe.
0: No worries. Yeah, no, I'm doing really well. Let's jump straight in. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're passionate about?
1: Sure. Um, Well, my background is is pretty broad-reaching. It covers everything from entrepreneurship to economic development, social impact, technology, policy. I've worked all throughout the public and private sector, even nonprofit sector and for a bit in grad school, um, university as well. So why that's relevant to the smart cities conversation is that I can empathize a bit with each sector as um, we're all kind of going through this uh, wild transition, trying to create smarter, more connected communities. Um, The area of of smart cities, to me, is the perfect union and and nexus of all of those different groups. And it's also uh, some of the biggest challenges, but where the challenge is, uh, is where the opportunity is, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that broad background, um, broad range, I suppose, really helps when it comes to smart cities. So what kind of sparked your interest in the smart city space?
1: You know, I was really looking for a way to combine all of this different, um, and at the time it felt very disconnected experience throughout my professional career. Uh, I had the opportunity to apply for an Eisenhower Fellowship a couple of years ago and actually ended up receiving that fellowship, which is what kicked off my, my Smart Cities journey. And I always feel like I cheated a little bit when I chose Smart Cities as a topic. Because it was it, I really couldn't choose between economic development and technology and policy and innovation, and it it felt like I was choosing my favorite kids, so I just decided to choose them all and put it under one large umbrella um, that is smart cities and i'm so glad that I did because it's been such a rich experience. Um, the Eisenhower Fellowship that I chose was specific to studying smart cities across the US and also in China. So obviously, two very, very different countries, different governmental systems, different histories, and very, very different applications when it comes to smart city um, implementation. So it's been uh, just a fascinating journey and, and I'm so grateful to be on it.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds really exciting. Um, are there any specific technologies or concepts that you came across while you're doing this, um, study tour or, or, or research, um, in the US and China that you're really particularly interested in exploring?
1: Yeah. definitely. And I think it's kind of a combination of three different yet connected. um, And that seems like that's kind of the overarching theme as with everything smart cities is that it's all different, but it's all connected in in some sort of way. Um, Especially in China, looking, it's almost like stepping forward in time because they've been so focused on smart city and smart city technology um, with an eye to innovation. And so i really had a chance to experience the conversations of what life would look like in the future. Um, the technologies that are front and center in almost every single conversation is 5G, IoT, and AI. And when you list them that way, it sounds a bit like alphabet soup. <laughs> but when you put it all together in a way that an ideal smart city would operate, it's really about the, the ultimate level of connectivity connecting devices that are in service of humans as opposed to um, human beings being in in the middle and being the gatekeeper. Um, I think there's just such an awesome opportunity to leverage technology right now and let technology do what it does best so that we can expand the human experience and, and solve some of the most systemic challenges that our communities have faced for decades, if not centuries.
0: Yeah, cool. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of projects and things you're working on at the moment. Sure. Well as a result of the fellowship
1: I launched what I thought was just going to be a little blog um called Digicity and it was my way of sharing what I was learning in smart cities in real time and when I received the fellowship it was 2016 so um in the US at least the area of smart cities was very very new um there was besides you know really industry uh, um uh, folks who were re- very passionate and, and focused on it, you know, kind of the, the early adopters, there were very few people who knew what the term smart city meant. Um, so, you know, I'd just go to a regular party or people would ask me what I was working on or some sort of um, networking event and I'd say smart cities and, and I would just get blank stares. Today, just, you know, what, two and a half years later, that's a very, very different conversation, which is encouraging. Um, but at the time, I was like, oh, gosh, I I think this is all super interesting. I'm just going to talk as I and, and write as I learn. So I started blogging and. Um, in, in- publishing my own opinions and then feature other thought leaders, just really smart people um, who had been studying this for a bit longer than I had. Um, and then I started visiting with cities who were getting ready to launch their own smart cities initiatives and interviewing them about what was their specific approach and why were they so focused early on? Um, what was their kind of magic um applications that that they were working on and and how I could be of service in helping them to tell that story. So I would do that through um, written interviews and also by going to the cities and and focusing some of their community leaders which is just a fun way to get to know a city with some of the the champions both within, uh, government and external to government. So, um, ever since that, and again, that was back in 2016, I've done maybe 14 different events through DigiCity. And these are usually day long, um, kind of hundred people in a room kind of events. And so it's a small circle of people, but a, a really in-depth conversation. And that conversation is very focused on the policy around smart city technology. Um, I also work with a group called Smart Cities Connect, and I serve as their editor at large. Um, that's a group that does the largest North American smart cities conference. So there's one large conference per year. And then this year, we just wrapped up the conference in um, Kansas City and and then uh, there will be a conference in Tampa, Florida, and then in April 2019, it'll be in Denver. So the first two years that conference was in Austin, and now it's on the road. So between both of those activities, I, I stayed super busy in this space.
0: Yeah, awesome. Oh, it sounds so cool. So you said that DigiCity was supposed to be just a little blog that you know you would do and maybe you know some people would read it and that kind of thing. Um, how did it kind of explode into this company that you're now, I assume, working full-time for? Yeah, it's interesting.
1: I decided not to make it a company um, and just to keep it as a brand. Uh, Who knows happen in the future. But I think right now, because there's so much activity and, you know, obviously the the U.S. is a bit further behind when you look through the global lens of Asia and Europe. They, they've they just been at it for a bit longer, you know, a decade or so. So right now, appropriately, there's a fever and there's a race and, and all the uh, cities in the U.S. are really, really picking up on, wow, this is the new way of being a city government, being responsive and connected, uh, there is no time to waste, and I think that that again is an appropriate uh, response. So, in this time of of uh, kind of experimentation, I think it's just important to be as nimble as I can and to be of service where that is needed. I, I don't want to have to. Monetize the site and look for sponsors and you know, do advertising and you know all of these kind of different things. I think there are some really great organizations who are already doing that in this space. It's why I work with with Smart Cities Connect, uh, just really high integrity people who are in service of um, of the city leaders in, in helping everybody figure it out. It's it's kind of like the Wild West <laughs> of of uh, municipal. Life, so I, I think it's a real cool opportunity. Um, yeah, and what I'm trying to do right now, again, more of an academic exercise, is policy, uh, publish a series of um, policy papers that are real quick and easy checklists. So, you know, as, as Policy makers, whether you're an elected official or you work for a municipality or county government or state government or even on the federal level, it can get very confusing to just jump into the space and try to figure it out. So because I had a bit of a a head start, thanks to the Eisenhower Fellowship, I'm, I'm using that as a service to say, this is how I'm organizing smart cities. And I created a model called four levels of a connected city. And I'm working on policy checklists for each. Um, piece of of that level so far. I have uh, one done on the infrastructure level, so I could talk a lot about that. Um, and then I'm working my my way up the pyramid and and sourcing as much expertise from industry experts as I can to get there.
0: Yeah, wow, well, no, that sounds really cool, and I think it's definitely a, a valuable tool to have in the smart city space because I think there's a lot of people really interested. Like you said, there's lots of buzz and and you know frenzy and, and that kind of thing. But some it's some people or, or a lot of people just go I don't know where to start and I don't know what to do what is this smart city okay you can tell me it's you know connecting people in places with technology and all that kind of stuff but how do I actually um, utilize a smart city or, or create this smart city as best I can without you know just getting caught up with the hype wave I suppose so yeah I think that a tool just in policy is really important. And I think it's sometimes we forget about it. We look at all the technology and we kind of forget the stuff behind it that actually makes um, a government function or, you know, make and keeps people um, safe, connected, you know, all that kind of stuff as well.
1: Exactly right. And I have such compassion for those city leaders. And I worked in state government for a while in economic development. So I know what it is to feel very responsible to, to the the public dollar that is basically your paycheck. And especially the CIOs who were stewards of, of their, um, of their tax dollars. So, you know, I know all of the CIOs and, and, Um, executives at the city level that I've met feel very, very responsible to make the right choice. And in the wave of hype that can be um, a bit paralyzing. So I I really understand that and just want to help shepherd them through as best I can without any sort of bias. Um, Being able to not buy anything or sell anything, I I think is a bit of a benefit in in these early days while we're all trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm, um very similar in that sense, where I really want to be this independent kind of resource or independent um, agency or body or whatever uh, that then we can guide the smart city space and provide important thought without having you know to think about where our paycheck is coming from. That's right. I mean, we still have to think about that, obviously, because we still have to uh, pay our mortgages. But yeah, yeah. That independence is really important to me as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about America, because that's kind of where you're based and what you're kind of focusing on. Um, I'm really interested to hear about the, for want of a better word, comparison between China and America and where they kind of sit when it comes to smart cities. Sure. And whenever I talk about this, I always have a bit of a disclaimer. You know,
1: China, of course, is. In the news every single minute of every single day. And politically, it's a bit of a, of a hot button. So my disclaimer is that I'm, I'm not making a determination that one way is good and one way is bad or one way is right and one way is wrong. I'm simply looking at the best practices that I identified while I was there. Um, and I was there for four weeks in five different cities in, uh, Beijing, Hanzhou, Shenyang, Shenzhen, and Shanghai. And met with everyone from um, folks at the government ministry to uh, executives at Huawei to some of the... um, entrepreneur sectors uh, to economic development people. I mean, it was just such an incredible uh, level of, of access to the folks who are investing in uh, those smart city initiatives. And by investing, I mean, both personally and financially, and, you know, they're, they're all in. Um, and the best practice that I learned while I was there in China was that there is an absolute focus and a 100% commitment to becoming a smart city, and in each of those municipalities, and you know, granted, I didn't visit a city that was fewer than ten million people, so that in and of itself is kind of mind blowing. And what I learned um, in China is that it's it's too big to get it wrong, and when you're looking at a country population of 1.4 billion people. It's it's so hard for me as an American to comprehend that. I I think of America as a big country relative to some of the smaller countries in the world. Um, but then when you magnify that by an industrialized company or an industrialized country like China, and then think about how many cities have more than a million people. They have more megacities than anyone in the world. I mean, it's, it's just scale on, on a massive, massive level. Um, and, and they can't afford to get it wrong. Um, they've moved, I, I think the number is 700 million people out of poverty in the last 10 years, twice the size of America. So again, these these numbers are really staggering, um, but it's it's why and it's the impetus for their investment in smart cities because they're really depending on technology to help mobilize populations in in a way that that works for the entire country. Um, and what I learned there, and again, you know, I'll, I'll pull in the asterisk in the and the disclaimer is that once they decide to do something it is done there is no um, single party system of of course is create some uh efficiencies and i say that with a wink um but in the us we spend a lot of time running around in circles fighting between the local level the state level the federal level um party against party and generations against generations there's a lot more friction when it comes to the implementation. And again, I don't want to get political about it. But when you look at it just on that surface level, um, you can see why we are moving slower. And the other piece of it, of course, is is government funding. So when China says we're creating 10 smart cities in a certain number of years, it is done and it is funded. And there is no question about public-private partnership. It, it all moves forward quickly. So, um, you know, I think there... We certainly don't want to duplicate that. I love our system and love our country and I'm a proud American and all of the things that goes with that. Uh, but at the same time, we can say, you know what, what are the ways we can get more efficient? What are the ways that we can look how we can work together across parties from local, state, federal levels, know that will never be perfect, but there there's no time to kind of focus on the tiny issues that the bigger issues are, are certainly taking priority.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that leads kind of into this next question, which is how do you think we can better integrate across the different disciplines and governments and industries?
1: You know, I think that that's it's no longer a choice. i I think it was a nice to have in the past, and it's why I really chose uh, to focus so heavily on on policy is because policy a lot of times is looking backwards. and when you're in the smart city space, the technologies that will depend on in two or three years haven't even hit the market yet, or maybe they aren't even invented. You know, the, the pace and acceleration of technology and innovation is so much faster and policy just simply can't keep pace. So I think the job right now between um, across disciplines and, and even when you're looking just within government is to streamline as much as possible to get as flat as you possibly can and to get as open as you possibly can. There's no longer... Um, uh, there's no reward in saying government is going to do it by itself and uh, industry and private sector. You can sit over there and, and wait for the RFP to come out and 16 months. Those days are way over in cities who realize that and who are adjusting. And you know, maybe that's a clunky process. And maybe it's not exactly right the first time out of the gate. And that's okay. But they're being innovative and entrepreneurial. And they're coming to the table with a sense of transparency and honesty, saying, hey, these are our major, major challenges. These are our values as a community. These are the things that we really need some help with private sector, uh, academic sector, entrepreneurs, what talents do you have? What skills do you have? Uh, What solutions do you have that can help us solve this challenge? Okay, now let's work on all of this together. And so it's no longer um, different silos and different groups. It's more of a collaborative process. Um, And the cities who are already thinking like that and who are already rolling out projects in that same spirit, they're the ones who are who are um, getting to the head of the pack very, very quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So do you think that America can become leaders in this space?
1: They can if if they if they work together. Um, Again, I, I think the cities. Um, that do this well, San Diego, Kansas City, Charlotte, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, Chicago, Tampa, Denver, Phoenix, you know, even Dallas in, in Texas is, is doing some really important work. And when I look all across those cities, and what I've been impressed with is that they go outside of their of their um, role as a city government and say, we can't do this alone. How can we partner? with with different folks whether it's industry academia uh, entrepreneurs and address some of these solutions and you know this part is is really important um the other thing that they do is they really invest in the infrastructure of being a smart city and it's i think it's kind of easy to slap some devices up and collect some data and connect some devices. And maybe I'm being too, too smug and maybe those aren't easy things to do, but it, but it's kind of like the first tier of becoming a smart city. When you really look at the digital infrastructure of a city, uh, when you're looking at how are you densifying your broadband network? um, How are you modernizing your utility grid? How are you doing those longer, slow projects um, that really form the foundation of a city um, the the cities who are thinking long term are doing that and and becoming a smart city is is not a short term play you can 't just you know get a couple projects up and running and then check the box and move on it's it's a much much deeper commitment
0: yeah no definitely I agree I think that yes, things are moving quickly in you know the technology space but the smart city is definitely a long haul and, uh, yeah, it doesn't just end when you put up some devices as well. Um, I think monitoring and maintenance are key aspects of smart cities that we need to make sure we're thinking about as well.
1: Sure. And it's going to be Sorry. really interesting, you know, and the 5G trials are already starting to roll out, but... With, I'm just forecasting that that's going to be the big game changer when 5G rolls out in cities, and you could really, really leverage that Internet of Things network where devices are connecting to devices. Then you can collect information and and data on an entirely different level, and I think um, that's going to be the the real litmus test. Cities who are prepared for that and who are doing the work now to be ready for that rollout, and, and maybe it'll be two years. Maybe it'll be sooner. I don't know. Um, I, I think then you'll start to see a real catapult. Um, and I was in Kansas City for the Smart Cities Connect Conference, and their CIO, Bob Bennett, said something that just I can't get it out of my mind. He kept talking about the digital rust belt, which I think is a very, very important message, and that cities who get it right will will succeed. And the ones who don't, who are still stuck in that real traditional thinking um, the, the way that government used to work, um, I think we'll, we'll see some economic impacts that are not altogether positive. So I'm really hoping my work with DigiCity uh, that I can just share as much information as I can with any city official or staff who wants it, who is on that journey to, to becoming a smart city or at
0: least a more connected city. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. Um, and I think yeah. The traditional ways of thinking they'll just have to change. There won't be a question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, an, an interesting topic that I think we could talk for hours about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right.
1: And change is hard. I personally think change is fun, but I, I think I'm not in the majority about that. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we're in the same boat there. I think yeah. change is fun. Um, yeah. it, I guess it is scary as well when it's, it's happening before your eyes and you can't see that it's innately positive i suppose yeah um what do you think the emerging trends are that people aren't talking about at the moment yeah you know, I, that
1: question is a really good one. Um, and I guess it depends on who's not talking about it. One of the things that I really love to do is to go, um, to conferences or access information from, from, uh, kind of niche technology experts and, um, so to me and, in, in my lens and what I surround myself with every day, it seems like everybody's talking about this all the time, but then I go outside of this kind of tech innovation policy space. And I'm like, Oh wait, that's not all that anybody ever talks about. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but I think blockchain is, is really going to be another, um, kind of revolutionary technology and and already is, is showing itself to be that, um, it seems to me, like everybody's talking about it, but I'm not sure if that's true in, in the broader, more general landscape. Um, we had a panel about blockchain with three, uh, two industry leaders and one uh, city slash university leader at the Smart Cities Connect Conference. And it, it's just fantastic the way that they're thinking about um, creating distributed ledgers and increasing transparency and Uh, I think that philosophy will will serve
0: communities really well. Mm. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that maybe you and I are talking about blockchain in a more general sense or people are talking about it in a more general sense, but I think that deep dive into what fundamentally it will disrupt um, once it becomes mainstream, that conversation is not really happening. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been awesome to talk to you and the time's just flown. Um, I just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Oh, thank you for that. Um, I think
1: the easiest way is through DigiCity. So the site is D-I-G-I dot c i t y i have a newsletter you can subscribe to um and also on twitter which is my uh social media favorite uh which is d i g i underscore c i t y
0: cool yeah i can put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and uh, yeah it's been really awesome to talk to you um and i think we have so much more to talk about we'll have to dive deeper in another conversation, I think.
1: Definitely. I would love that. And thanks so much for doing this podcast. I think it's so important just to share different perspectives. And um, there's always so much to learn. And I've learned so much from you. So thank you. No worries. Thanks, Chelsea. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks,
0: Sarah. It's the Smart City Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Smart City Pod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it podcast is what you're looking for